Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Project Loving Myself Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. To every single woman out there who's listening to this, Right now, I want to tell you that I see you and I feel you. Honestly, really, I do. It is so hard and you are not alone. One in 10 in this country alone is struggling with infertility. One in 10. But we don't speak about it because it's taboo. So we're made to believe that something is wrong with us. No, nothing is wrong with you. Absolutely nothing is wrong with you. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast. A well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. everyone, what's up in your world today? On my end, I've had to cope with a very big loss in my life. Someone who I looked up to and loved very, very much. But he's in the light now, and that brings me so much peace. Grief is not an easy thing. Our brain may understand and process that a person is gone, but our cells still crave for that person in the physical. Our hearts need to mourn the loss to reach that point of acceptance. And this is not a process we can skip, but an experience that is necessary for the growth of our soul. But loss comes in all shapes and kinds. And today we will speak about a different kind of loss. The kind that happens when a woman who's trying to get pregnant finds out that her body is not cooperating, that it has a different agenda. In her case, the loss may be the dream of motherhood or the hope of getting pregnant. But thankfully, in today's day, medicine gives us a lot of options. And one such option that many women do turn to is IVF, or in vitro fertilization. Our guest today, Rocio Olbez Rosano Garcia, takes us on her journey from infertility through IVF to the gorgeous twin boys that she has. I'm sure it has not been an easy journey but she has her pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So let's go ahead and welcome her to the podcast and let's find out a little bit more about her story. Hi, Rocio, and welcome to the show. Hi, Sanaya. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so um, honored to be here 
and so privileged to be invited to talk about a very important topic, which is close to my heart. And frankly, I wasn't ready to talk about it for almost a year. Several people had invited me to speak about it, and I, I wasn't ready. And it wasn't until Modern Parenting really encouraged me. And I did that story, and you reached out, and here I am, because I, I felt afraid, of course, of being judged, because it's a, still a controversial uh, topic. But I had so many letters from so many women thanking me for sharing this journey. Uh, because not only are they going through something incredibly similar, social media has a way of uh, curating our lives that it looks perfect, almost to the point where it's sometimes dangerous. And you can see somebody, I, I, I wasn't pregnant on my social media until I was 24 weeks. So that's just to give you an idea of how perspective and looking at a curated life can affect people. So I took that step, which was brave for me because I was quite protective of it since it, we are essentially talking about my sons. And as a mother, I'm very protective about that. But I thought it was incredibly important as somebody that wants to advocate mental health that we acknowledge that perfect lives don't exist. That is so true. And it really takes people to stand up and say, it may look perfect. It's not. It's not been easy. But look at where I am now. Yes. Um, so that was the beginning of all this. And now I am here. And I feel incredibly privileged uh, to be here with you, speaking with you this kind of gloomy day, <laughs> but beautiful in its own ways. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Rocio, for being ready to talk about this. As a well-being coach and a healer, I've worked with a lot of women who've been in similar situations, who've dealt with challenges in fertility. And even when I was getting pregnant, I had to go through my own tests and I had my own journey. And so when I read about your article in Modern Parenting, I knew this is something I really wanted to talk about on the show. And I really wanted to get the perspective from someone who already understands mental health who already understands, you know, well-being and healing and things like that. And that's why I felt like you would just be the perfect person to bring on to the show to talk about this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for you know, being brave to talk about this. Now, Ursio, with the experience you have working with people, I know your background is in philanthropy. You've worked with inmates, terminally ill patients, survivors of abuse, you know, people in need of relief. What was it like when you came to a point in your life and suddenly you were the person who was going through a challenge? You were the person who had to deal with something you were probably not prepared for. And I'm sure it had its own well-being challenges at that time. Uh, what was that like when you kind of came face to face with this challenge of infertility? Well, my journey... Um with philanthropy, that's a very glamorous way to, to put it. It's a very glamorous word, actually. It, it started out, I would say, when I was around 27, I was very tired of myself. And I felt that I was very unsuccessful in my relationships with finding true love. 
which is something that I really 100% believed in and something that I really wanted. I really wanted it. You know, I wanted to find it. And I had gone through uh, a long relationship, which ended. And I felt that loss. It was a very painful loss for me. And then I had a string of people that I, I, I was dating and it just wasn't working for me. And it, I actually had a profound conversation with my father and he said, maybe you don't know yourself. And the best way to know yourself is to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about others. And that's kind of what set this off. And I said, I think the reason why I'm, I, I can't really connect with somebody or is because he's right. I really don't know myself. I've, I've made it all about me and the best way to find out about yourself is to, to help others was really true. So that was really the start of it. And it, it started off with a simple step, which was I volunteered at a recovery house and that was day one. And then it was just gradual ever since. And then through the course of the past several years, I, together with many wonderful people uh, have come up with different sort of ways to engage uh yeah advocacies or different sort of programs you know but they weren't meant to be that they were just sort of ideas on how to do something that was helpful and then they sort of turned to that but the the starter goal was not let's do the let's make an, something that was an advocacy or anything like that so there, the starter goal was more how do we help, how do we engage better. And maybe I was also just really trying to be all this time. It's funny because to be selfless was to find myself. Does that make me selfish? <laughs> right? So I never well, really... I, I'm actually going to interject for a second, actually, Rocio. It's interesting because being about yourself seems to be like a negative thing in our society, but it's not, right? Because if you're not in a good place, how do you help somebody else? How do you model good behavior? How do you inspire and influence other people in a positive way, right? So I think that the biggest motivation, the truest motivation we can have in life is bettering ourselves, right? Improving ourselves, And if that could be, I mean, some people will consider that selfish, but I think it's actually the most selfless thing you can do because by improving yourself, you are a better uh, citizen in this world. You are a better person to your family. You're a better inspiration to others. So I like how you said that. And I, um, I actually agree that that should be the best motivation, the biggest motivation. Yeah, I didn't know myself at all. It was true. What my father said was true. He said, maybe it's because you don't know yourself. And the best way to know yourself is to stop thinking about yourself and to help others. And you'll see. It was, it was a journey, uh, definitely a journey. It's still an ongoing journey, which I will confess has taken sort of a backseat at the time when I decided to fully concentrate on in vitro. I took that time just for me and my family, right? So it's emotional bandwidth. As you learn more about who you are, you learn more about what your limits are. And that's very important because the last thing you wanna do is to promise and not deliver 
or to overgive and then you deplete, then the people around you that need you the most suffer. So knowing your limits, not feeling guilty about your limits is very important. Uh, that's something that I discovered. So I wasn't really able to keep up with a lot of these, I guess, projects or things that started uh, as thorough as I would like through the course of my IVF pregnancy and then, then of course, the pandemic. I did do, though, during my pregnancy and during IVF, uh, I had started a concert, charity concert, together with my best friend, John John Rufino. So once a year, we would put together this charity concert, and it was quite a show. And we would do it together with Ronnie Fortich, who's a genius, a musical genius, and we would choose a different charity to, so John and I would produce the concerts and Ronnie was the main talent and he would kind of do this, this night on the piano and have people come on and sing. So it was different singers every time, but always Ronnie. So it's called Ronnie's Company Call. And we would have different themes like a night at the movies or, you know, um, 80s, things like that. And we would choose a different charity every time, right, that we would benefit. So I continued to do that while I was going through IVF and I was going through being pregnant with the twins. So it's funny because I look at the pictures now and I'm like, gosh, it was so bloated. <laughs> I was really doing IVF. And then there's some where I'm so pregnant on stage and I thought I looked good. And I look at that and I'm like, yeah, I look terrible. <laughs> so that, that something that I, I really wanted to keep going because not only was it a joy because John is my best friend and Ronnie is someone special to my heart on a personal level. I realized that it was something that I wanted for us to continue every year and it made our friendship stronger. So it wasn't, it, it gave our, our friendship a, a deeper level and we would always communicate about what particular charity we wanted to benefit that coming year. And so I always thought that these were beautiful conversations to see your friend over lunch and to discuss, you know, which charity and, and how you're going to raise money for this charity and, and, and all of these things. And, 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 you know, Sanaya, he is, he's the pioneer of all this. Um, he had twins via surrogacy a long time ago. In fact, I think he's one of the first openly gay men in, in the Philippines to do that. So having him with me through this journey was very special, actually. I'm sure. Now, do you think, Rocio, that this kind of work that you were doing to help other people, I know it was motivated by a sense of sort of discovering yourself, which in itself is really beautiful. But in doing so, in sort of working in that energy of service into your life, do you think it helped you to deal with your own challenges in a positive way? Do you feel an impact? Yes, because it puts things into perspective. Now, perspective is very important if you're going to survive in this world. And it put a lot of things into perspective. And it made me realize that maybe my cards that were challenging or difficult were not really that challenging or difficult. Not underplaying what people are going through. Everybody has their own sense of limits, right? Or anything like that. But it did sort of push the boundary on what I could see as how blessed I was. And even those sort of things were challenging or difficult for me. 
it was, you know, incomparable. Um, so it definitely shifts your perspective in, in that way. But, you know, also to be clear, Sanaya, I, I work privately for my family, right? So, I mean, I work for our family business privately. I'm a private citizen. So me doing these things is just, it started off as a journey. And then as I went on and got married and, 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 and John and I did these concerts and they were always a sense of joy. So they were always serving, they were always serving me in, in, in a sense of joy. And when I was at a point of my emotional limits and I really couldn't do anything anymore, um, that required a lot of physical aspects So I had to let a lot of these things go and that's okay. And that's what I tell people, right? Like you, 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 you can take your time with it when it comes to doing this stuff, maybe for two years, you, you do it consistently and then you break for a couple of years. There's no wrong or right way, you know, and, and this whole aspect of, I mean, just, I don't want to be given any more, I don't want to be given any praise for something that I feel that I'm unworthy of getting praise for. Cause ultimately I did this stuff because it brought joy. Um, it, it's not a career. It, I mean, I do work privately for my family and when I couldn't do it anymore, the physical aspects of it, because I had to focus on things I had, I was okay with letting it, letting some stuff go because in this world, there are people who are so 100% dedicated in a degree that I can't even explain. And they're, they are heroes. Honestly, I can't, I, I, I have no right to even stand next to them in any way, shape or form. So I, that's why I say the word philanthropy is a little glamorous. Um, I, I prefer to use self-discovery. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But you know, we all have our own calling Rocio in life and we all have different challenges as well. So just like we can be there for one person, sometimes we can be there for many people. It's not necessarily about um, how big an impact. It's about just making an impact. Um, I think that's what's important. And I want to circle back actually to something you said. You said um, to know your limits, which I think is also something I um, wanted to emphasize from your from our conversation thus far, is it is. I agree with you completely. It is very important not to overpromise and underdeliver, and it's also not a good idea to give more than you can give at any given time because that will deplete you. So I wanted to just really call that out. That that was also something I think was very valuable that you learned, and you learned when to stop. And I know so you stopped because of having to focus on IVF. Now, how did that all? happen, Rocio? Did you know you were dealing with any fertility challenges? I know in one of the articles you mentioned it was hereditary or there was some history in the family. Tell me kind of from the beginning, how did this all come into your life? Yes. Well, before we go there, I would just also like to say when you, when you said calling, it's funny because right now I feel like my calling is to speak about IVF. So it, you, I wanted to just circle back on that. And, and I somehow couldn't communicate that a while ago, but you're allowed to shift, right, in your calling. And this is something that I have to speak about. I really do, because there are so many women that need to hear about it. To answer your question, uh, deep down inside, I knew it. I knew, I definitely knew. And everybody told me I was 
paranoid. I was stressed. I was forcing it. I needed to relax. I hated that word so much. You need to relax. You need to relax. I didn't need to relax. I needed to have an operation. I had a cyst in my uterus, you know, (laughs) people were telling me all of these things. And I knew deep down inside that it was more than just that. And my own husband was one of those key culprits of you need to relax. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. (sighs) Those were frustrating conversations because we, as women know our bodies, we know our bodies more than you think you do. You just need to listen very carefully to your body. It is telling you exactly what it is, what is happening. We are creatures unlike any other. I I am so amazed at us. Uh, I think that women are, I can't even describe when I think about the fact that we grow these beautiful children inside of us and then we continue to feed them. And it's just, it's so, it's so miraculous to me, but yes, to answer your question, I definitely didn't, did have an inkling inside. It was my own instinct. And I, I gave it maybe two to three years of just quote unquote relaxing before I decided to say, okay, I've had enough relaxing and starting to emotionally affect me because there are so many of my wonderful, beautiful friends having their, their moment and getting pregnant and having their baby. And it's just passing by and here I am relaxing. And I'm, I, I'm one of these, I need to take steps and actions type of people. I needed to get control back, which is one of the things that I speak about with IDF when I've, I've actually mentored maybe a few handful of women in this journey and and they've all had their babies Um, and they were difficult. I mean, it was difficult for them to even process the idea of doing IVF, right? Because it seems like such a daunting idea and I wouldn't sugarcoat it. It is very difficult. It is very taxing. And I simply looked at this whole situation and I said, I felt a sense of relief because I, I felt like when I made the step, to commit to IVF together with my husband, I felt like I, I don't know, like I had kind of gained some sort of control back and I felt empowered. I did not feel a sense of, um, oh, I'm so sad I have to do this step to get pregnant. I felt like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now, I, now, I, now I'm seeing some sort of, a, of, of, of hope and light. And, and I had to have also difficult discussions with my husband which was, if this is not in our cards, is it okay with us as a couple, right? So we had these discussions before we, we went on this journey. We wanted to be aligned, um, completely aligned with that. I knew in my heart that I didn't want motherhood to define me as a woman or even being married. Um, I was raised to be a very strong, independent woman. And I wasn't going to fall into those trappings. Um, Me choosing to get married was because I wanted to get married and I wanted to start a family. There were choices that I wanted to do, not because I felt that society deemed it the correct thing, right? So I was at a space where I wanted to be a mother. 
if it wasn't going to happen, I was also okay with that. And I had this conversation with my husband and we were aligned where I said, you know, at the end of the day, I want to be, I was raised to be a very independent woman. So all of these things I said, I don't want them to be, they, they are my, my utmost priority. My family is my utmost priority. But who I am as an individual is more than this. I was, I believe that I had approached it in a very um, aware sense. Uh, I, I felt excited and I felt that, okay, now we're getting somewhere, you know, like I can actually see the correct steps are going to be taken. And I had personal conversations, not only with my husband, but with my own self, that should it not work out, I would be okay. So one of the things that I, I would like to tell other women as you go through this is don't lose who you are. Don't lose the sense of who you are before you got married or before you decided to start a family. Don't lose that sense because it's, it is, you can't lose your identity to, to all of this. Otherwise it's too difficult. You know, it's too much pressure. Now, Rocio, the women I've worked with, some of the women I've worked with, this has been actually the struggle is if they're not a mother, if the, the possibility exists that they cannot be a mother, then who are they becomes the question. As if, you know, their identity is tied into being a mother or a wife. And you're coming from a place where you kind of really squared that off in your mind. For you, it was like, I'm going to do this. And if it works, then it's great. But if it doesn't, we still know we're okay as a couple, right? So how did you get from not spiraling out? Because that's what I see happen sometimes, you know, spiraling out into now I'm, you know, I'm unworthy as a woman or, you know, I, I, I'm having these challenges or I can't have children the natural way that makes me, you know, somehow damaged or tainted. And I'm just giving you some beliefs and sort of some um, thoughts that my clients have sort of come to me with. And, and of course we've worked through that, but I think for a lot of our listeners out there who might be dealing with these kinds of questions and thoughts, what would you say to them based on your experience? I've had those same thoughts. It's very natural to have those thoughts. To not have those thoughts would make you, I don't know, unhuman. There were days where I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, I was so, so, so lost. It was a choice for me to pull myself up and say, I won't lose my identity of who I am if this is not successful because I have still been able to do this, do this, that. I'm still a loving wife. I'm still a sister. I'm still a daughter. I'm still a friend. I have so many other roles. Um, and I also told myself that the journey to motherhood comes in so many roads. There's so many ways to get there. Uh, I always joke that my firstborn son is our Pomeranian gaucho because I completely humanized him. I, I don't think he knows he's a dog. <laughs> uh, honestly, really, he has no idea. And I believe that my motherhood journey started with him. And I believe that motherhood comes in so many different ways, shapes, or forms. But this idea to wrestle with my body was not, was not able to naturally do what it's supposed to do is very, very real. 
And you have to every day fight those. It, it was every day I had to fight those thoughts. And ultimately, I was capable of understanding that I told you earlier that I had this instinct inside of me. So I was, I believe in me because on both sides of my family, infertility exists. So for me, I thought, I have a feeling it's, I have it, you know, I have a feeling that it's a difficulty for me, definitely. But I was able to give it the benefit of the doubt, listen to what everybody was saying to relax and, you know, try naturally all, all and then gradually grow, right? So you start by taking some pills to help you and then you, you take all these steps and then finally I said enough. I would have done IVF right away from the beginning if I, if you would have let me. Because I knew in my mind, I knew deep down inside that something in my body needed to be overcome. It needed that extra bit of help. And I, I wasn't ashamed of it. And I also said, it's my body. So I, and I said, what's happening here is I want to enter a program where I feel that I am maneuvering through a, a road where there's a direction and a sense of control. And I felt more comfort being there than mentally being exhausted and seeing every month if it worked out naturally. So I had decided that for me, this was better. Even if it didn't work out at the end, I felt more comfort being there because I, I had a compass, so to say, right? So rather when after a few years of naturally trying, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a compass. I didn't know what was where I was standing, which way was what, and that's where you, that's where I would struggle mentally and, and, and emotionally and to every single woman out there who's listening to this right now, I want to tell you that I see you and I feel you. Honestly, really, I do. It, it, is the, it is so hard. And you are not alone. One in 10 in this country alone is struggling with infertility. One in 10. But we don't speak about it because it's taboo. So we're made to believe that something is wrong with us. No, nothing is wrong with you. Absolutely nothing is wrong with you. In fact, one of my really good friends had said to me, I don't know why people are so hard on themselves about doing IVF or taking that extra step. It's, it's a scientific progression. If you break your leg, do you heal it the same way that you did 100 years ago? No, you don't. So I said that is so true. You know, we allow ourselves to use all of this technology uh, and medical advancements effortlessly in every other area. But when it comes to this, as a woman, we suffer. We suffer shame. Why? I really said, why? I don't understand. We suffer judgment. You know, is it ethical? Uh, all of these questions. And ultimately, if you're going to take that stance about the fact that maybe it, it is, I, I, I am Christian, so you need to understand. I am Christian, so for me, I was quite clear with my thought process and my faith, which was despite the fact that there may be some help scientifically, I believe that God is still the one in control. 
that at the end of the day, it still falls on him. So whether you're Christian or not, we have to do what we need to do to get, like you said, your pot of rainbow at the end. And you need to know your limits going forward, right? Do you, is this something that you can emotionally take? Do you feel like as a woman, it's too difficult because your body wasn't working? How far are you willing to go for this? And I was very clear and I had these conversations with myself and everything was a check. I, I mean, and I was good and I felt, and I feel like this is why it was successful for me, Sanaya, because I was, I was aligned within myself. You know, I said that, no, I don't have a conflicting, uh, this doesn't conflict my faith because somebody had brought up to me, you know, well, you are Christian and this is this something your faith struggle? And I said, absolutely not, because even though this may help me scientifically, at the end of the day, through my faith, I believe that God is the one completely in control of this. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, before you start this journey, talk to yourself. Talk to yourself, you know, ask yourself these questions, even if you need to put it in a journal. And be honest with yourself and see where you stand. And you might be surprised how okay you are with, with it. And that ultimately, there is nothing wrong with you at all. I mean, getting a little bit of extra help does not make you any less worthy of a woman. I think um, what I'm hearing from you, Rocio, is it's very important to have the right mindset. It's also very important, as you said, to know your limits, what you can or cannot take. And I think that also making sure you are prepared for the different outcomes. One outcome might be that it's completely successful. And the other outcome is that there's a possibility you'll need more help or it might not you know, turn out the way you expect. And I think that's the alignment you're talking about is sort of being detached from ultimately the outcome, having the faith and the trust in God or in a creator and that superpower and, and just being committed to the decision or choice that you've made. I think those are the things that seem to have really helped you steer your compass in the right direction. Hi guys, before we continue with the podcast, I got a quick question for you. What's on your shopping list right now? Eyeing any items on Lazada? You can add to cart now and check out on March 27th for Lazada's ninth birthday sale. Enjoy up to 90% off on Lazada's biggest brands and free shipping with no minimum spend. Don't forget to use my link podlink.co slash 78v when you check out. Happy shopping. And now back to this episode. Despite all of that, Rocio, the process, the procedures itself must have been quite a lot of stress. I'm guessing not just for you, but on your marriage, maybe for your partner, for anybody else who was around supporting you. So what was that like? Like the, the medications, I know that you have to take injections, um, the different things that you had to go through. What was that like? Well, it was awful. And there's no way around it. I, I knew that it was going to be awful. Again, it was this level of awareness. I wasn't selling myself something. It, it had zero stress on my marriage because 
he knew it was awful. And my family was 100% behind me every step of the way. What I did do, and I encouraged one of my friends to do it. She went to my same doctor. As I said, every time you jab that needle into your stomach and you shoot up hormones, celebrate it. Celebrate it. You'll be surprised. Be like, oh, I love this injection because this injection is taking me one step closer to where I want to be. Instead of looking at it and going, I hate this so much. Because believe me, you will hate it. You get, you gain a lot of weight. And anybody who knows me will will be quite open. And I am quite open that I have struggled with body issues. Um, I struggled with anorexia in my 20s. Um, I struggled with, you know, many of these things that a lot of, again, pressures, right, that are that are put on you, right? And I, it was so difficult. It was so difficult to accept the fact that, gosh, I'm, I won't even be pregnant yet and I'm going to put on 15 pounds, 8, 20 pounds just on, on, on this alone. And, and then you see your body change in front of you you know, in the mirror and you're not even pregnant yet. So it's just, and you don't tell people that you're doing IVF and so you become self-conscious. How do I look? Oh my goodness. Look at that picture of me being tagged on social media. My face looks like a balloon. It's all the hormones. (laughs) It's all very real, you know? And, you know, of course you're not meeting anybody going, hi, how are you? I'm doing IVF. So <laughs> forgive me that my face looks like a balloon. <laughs> so, you know, it's again, it's a, and, and your stomach is bruised, is bloated. They told me not to work out. I, I did. So they said, don't work out. And I did. during the, during the process, I did work out during the process um, for my endorphins. But again, I listened to my body. I am quite in tune with my body because I feel like my body and I have survived a lot more now than ever. Right. Especially after going through IVF, going through multiple procedures and then the twin pregnancy. So now more than ever, we are very connected, but you know, we had gone through our own battles um, in my twenties. So I can, I know when my body tells me it's okay or not. Okay. So, Rocio, do you do you think also all the struggles you went through, uh, anorexia, other body issues, do you think that also brought you to this point, right, where you could actually deal with these things in a much better way than perhaps if you haven't been through those struggles? So, you know, I like to tell my students and my clients that that our regrets in life, our challenges. So, and a lot of people, they regret, right? Those difficulties, those, those issues in their life. And they hold on to that to remind them that, you know, don't go through that again. But I think the most important thing about these things, about these experiences is they made us who we are today. So it's not about regret really, but it's sort of, again, celebrating everything you've been through because it molded you into the person you need to be to be able to handle these things better today. Do you see any elements of that in what you went through? Absolutely. Um, when I tell people to get to know themselves, I mean, really get to know yourself. And I have to accept the fact that 
even though I look back at it at the moment, I said, no, I definitely don't have anorexia. But now looking back, I said, wow, I really did. And, you know, body issues is something that will always be with me. I've accepted that. And I have a sense of awareness about it, right? So now I have a healthy approach, which is what am I after? Am I after being, you know, quote unquote, thin or, or, or skinnier? Or am I after having a healthy body with healthy tissue and muscles that are nourished so that I can be there for my children, um, my parents, my brother, my, 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 my husband? And it still can affect you because you choose, you are so used to seeing yourself in a particular way um, where I had a body that was like a hanger. Now I've had twins. I don't have that body. I have gone through IVF. I don't have that body. So the clothes fall differently. And I will lie to you if I say, of course, there's moments where I, I don't, I miss having been that thin. Of course I do. Uh, that would be a lie. But I'm aware that it, it is unhealthy, right? And this mind-body connection, which is something that I have discussed several times with Maisha, right? Mind-body connection is incredibly important in any aspect of your life uh, for any challenge, whether it's IDF or a procedure or just trying to get to your best self, you need to have that mind-body connection. And that mind-body connection will see you through a lot it, it really will. And, and, and the moment that you feel like you've, you've hit it and you've aligned it, a lot of things will fall into place easier than you think. You know, and I say this because I was, tr I, I had a, a, a profound moment and this is actually my first time to ever talk about this publicly. I had a profound moment where I was trying to get pregnant, but I was also dieting. And I said to myself, you need to choose a lane. You know, your, your body cannot, what are you doing? Are you dieting, trying to be a size two, or are you trying to get pregnant, right? The, you, you're, you're confusing your body. So you need to choose a lane. And um, that was a very profound moment for me. Rocio, I'm so glad you brought that up because I see that conflict a lot in people. They want something, but they're not ready to commit a hundred percent to it and almost, you know, the other behaviors or actions that they're indulging in is actually going against what they truly want. So they're almost like sabotaging themselves. And I love how you said, you know, choose your lane, you know, and, and be a hundred percent committed. And I, you know, I think that is such an important observation you made about yourself. And I think it's something that is probably resonating with a lot of people out there that perhaps there's something you want. And it doesn't have to be about, you know, having children or being a mother. It could be something entirely different. But so many times we get frustrated when we want something. We're manifesting for it. We're visualizing it. We're doing all of those things. But our actual behavior is not aligned with it. And that's where the whole, you know, topic of alignment comes back in that you have to be truly aligned with what you're doing in every way it doesn't work if you're kind of giving mixed messages to your body your body will get confused and it cannot deliver when you've got two two or multiple orders that you have placed out in the universe so thank you for pointing that out yes i mean it was a really profound moment for me i realized that i 
what am I doing? I'm confusing my body. I'm, I'm trying to keep, stay a size two, and yet I'm also trying to get pregnant. You know, I got to let one thing go. And it was very hard for me to let go of because of size two. That is just me being 100% honest yeah. because hard work, right? So, you know, and again, social media and a lot of these pressures that are put on you to always look good. And everywhere you go now, there's a photo. So I said, gosh, and I said, you know, forget it. It's, it's out the window. My, my body is on lease and it's on lease to the health of my future children. And I was prepared to not have my body back for two years. But I remember right before giving birth, I told my doctor, evict, it's time to evict them. <laughs> I said, I, I, I reached my- I reached my limit. I, I, we're evicting them now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and with that mind-body connection and me surrendering this idea of having to be thin and, and look a certain way because IVF makes you completely the opposite of that, I focused on nutrition, right? I also didn't, I also didn't allow myself to eat freely uh, because I was... You know, I didn't give myself that whole pass, which is, oh, I'm pregnant and I've let, I've let go of my, uh, I've let go of this idea of pressures of looking good. But you see, that's quantity, right? That's different than quality. So I focus on quality. I focus on healthy, nourishing food, which was important to me because I also believe that it affects you mentally, right? So I actually was quite strict during my pregnancy. I never had, not once in my pregnancy that I allowed myself up. Uh, as they say, like um, a let loose session. I never did it. Uh, maybe it was a little bit too strict, but at the end of it, at the end of my twin pregnancy, I had put on around 38, 39 pounds, which was, you know, quite, which was good for twins because everybody was telling me I was going to put on 80 pounds. And, and which I was prepared to do. For me, I was at that mindset, which whatever it took, I was going to do it. You know, I, I had let it go. I mean, 80 pounds, I don't care. But I, I really wanted to fit, focus on nutrition and quality rather than junk and quantity. And my boys came in at almost six pounds each, right? So because I was, it, it was really that I was eating food that was high fat, nutritious, all of these things. Like I was, I was nourishing my body, which I believe also helps your, helps your soul. And I, I'm sure it really helped the pregnancy as well. Like that awareness you had of the mind body energy connection. I mean, you weren't just looking at your, your pregnancy as a physical or medical, you know, sort of process, but that your mind had to be in the right place, your energy levels in terms of your nutrition, that you were taking care of all of it. So I think it's important also to call out that, we have control in many different areas. So we may not have control in one area, but we can exert control in other areas to support that part that maybe we're struggling with. You know, so uh, an example I'll give you is if somebody was struggling with anxiety, they could maybe work a little bit more on diet and exercise And that would actually keep the anxiety in better check. So I think that there are areas that sometimes we feel we don't have entire control, but we can exert ourselves in other areas to 
to make it a little bit more easier on us, which I think is what you did as well. Now, Rocio, did you have any disappointments along the way? Like, were there challenges in that sense that it wasn't a smooth ride? I mean, I know IVF in general is not an easy process, but did you also have to deal with those kinds of things on top of it? Yes, very much so. Um, I could not keep a pregnancy and that was there are no words for that type of pain and disappointment and i had to tell myself that it wasn't me because it's natural to say what's wrong with me as a woman right am i broken i that's when i i, I really said enough if this is affecting me and um it's too difficult so that's when I said, there's something else going on. And then we did a deep dive and I had something, um, which is called APS, which is more commonly known as sticky, sticky blood. Right. So I needed blood thinners. Right. But I had also gone through all of this testing. I had gone through, um, several different treatments before even doing IVF. I wanted to go straight to IVF. But my husband had his issues with IVF. And I believe at the time that we both entered that door, we were both there. We were so connected. I didn't push him to do it uh, before he was ready. And as a result, I was the one, I guess, quote unquote, doing the heavy lifting because he's like, oh, I'm not comfortable doing this step just yet. And let's try these other things around the corner that kind of like skirt around the issue of, of IVF but it was my body that was physically incurring it, right? And going through it. I mean, he was there with me every step of the way emotionally, my whole family was. But the difficulties of it, yeah, no, I mean, I, I suffered tremendous, tremendous loss. Like I couldn't keep pregnancy. I found out finally it was because I had something at APS and then they found a cyst in my uterus so my IVF had to be delayed because we had to do the operation. And then you have to wait how many months after the operation. And I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I, I, I mean, like motherhood was like, a, a, I would say a fleeting dream is like a really, a really kind way to put it. I mean, I, I was, I said, this is, I was pissed. I was genuinely pissed off, you know, like I made the choice every single day to focus on the fact that my identity was more than this. Right. And that's where I, I was like, okay, you don't forget who you are. Don't forget the person that, that, that exists. Don't forget that aside from all of this, you have created your life. You have participated in laying every single brick of your life. And it means something, you know, you, you're not now unworthy because you're going through this. Don't forget who you are and what will happen in the future. I wouldn't let myself go down that road because I just felt it was too emotionally difficult for me to process. I had really had to take everything, you know, one step at a time. But when I say that my husband and I, or to any other person out there listening, your husband, your partner, um, be aligned because you need to be teammates when you go through this. 
And if you are a, a, a single parent, whether you're a male or, or a female, I have two of my closest friends that have done this, um, being single, um, one as a, a gay man through surrogacy and the other one as, as a woman who's decided she wants to be a mother. Um, and she's tired of waiting for quote unquote Prince Charming. I mean, talk about girl power, man. I mean, God, what a woman. And I mean, that, that guy I speak about, my best friend, John John, was with me every step of the way with this. I, I looked at them and they were all prepared. So you really need to be prepared. And that that's what I mainly give as my takeaway to most people, because there will be tremendous loss in this journey. I mean, if you find yourself talking about IVF, it is because you have suffered, you have gone through difficulties. Other people don't go through these sort of difficulties, but they go through difficulties in other aspects. Nobody's life is perfect. I do say, you know, Rocio, we all have our own challenge, you know, in, in our life. Sometimes they are, you know, series of smaller challenges. Sometimes it's one big life theme, but we all have our thing, you know, that one thing sometimes that we have to conquer. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, it makes us who we're meant to be. I don't think we would be who we are today if it weren't for that experience or set of experiences. So I think that it's the opportunity we see in those difficulties that is really important. And I, I know like with you, you, you went through this and now you're an advocate, you know, you are talking to women about this process and, and you are helping people in your own way whether it's your friends or even here on the podcast or in an, in articles that, that you've been interviewed for. I mean, you are using your voice to sort of make a difference from something that was a difficult time for you. And that's our opportunity. Now, what have you learned, Rocio, about yourself in the bargain? You know, of all of this that you've been through, it sounds like it's been quite, quite that uh, adventure, let's call it. What is your takeaway? What have you learned from it? How has it shaped you? Adventure. I like that term. I'm like, it's more like an odyssey. <laughs> Adventure. It's like an odyssey. It's like, it's going to end. When is this alien odyssey going to end? I learned quickly that you need to put yourself last. <laughs> really honestly and when you do do that for a few years you will have to there will be a time when you can put yourself first but it's not during that time and I was really prepared for that I laid down I, I mean I spoke about it in my modern parenting article I laid down for after we do what is called the implanting right when we implanted um, my sons I laid down for 12 weeks. I didn't leave my home. I went from bed to sofa just laying down for 12 weeks. And for an incredibly active person who had a career, uh, worked out four times a week, uh, a packed social life. You know, I mean, it's like I was doing lockdown before lockdown was even a thing. 
I, <laughs> so when they said lockdown, I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> See, that's a skill. That's a skill that came out of, uh, you know, your challenge. But I mean, you know, I, I, I know some, some women that they, they work so hard and then they get to that implanting stage and, and they, 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 they need to keep moving. And um, I keep saying to them, don't just, you know, you've come this far, like lay, lay down. And there was a particular afternoon I was with my mother and she was here. And I think I was seven weeks into laying down and I was laying down in the sofa and I just started crying. And she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, this is a nightmare. I, I can't do this anymore. I said, I, how I, I'm so scared. I have so much pressure. I'm terrified. I'm, I'm 24 hours terrified. I'm terrified that it's not going to work. I'm terrified, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, I feel so, so scared because I've, I, I suffered tremendous loss through this process and, and so much challenges. And I said, I, I can't do this. And so, and she, she nursed me through it. You know, um, you need to have a good support team. Honestly, really. I hear that loud and clear, Rocio, because you said it a few times. I think the support system is really important for anyone who wants to go through it. I mean, even for someone who's pregnant, someone giving birth. I mean, these are all situations where we need support. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what you said. You said you learn to put yourself last for a change. But even in saying that, you know, Rocio, as you're saying that, I was thinking about it. Is it really putting yourself last? Because at the end of the day, you did that for you because you wanted a baby, right? And ultimately, you were serving what you truly wanted, which in a way was still, I mean, even though you were kind of like giving up those things that you were probably, you know, that were hard because that was part of who you were before the IVF, right? The going out, the act, being active and so on. But at the end of the day, you made a choice and you had to stay committed to that choice. And so you got to give it a hundred percent. And I think that's what you did. And that's why you have not one, but two babies, you know, and you, you, you got there. You know, you, you made it, you made it through, right? So it's, it's the, cause sometimes like there's that notion of I'm sacrificing myself in motherhood or in pregnancy or in all of this treatment. But I also think that those are choices you're making for yourself because of what you want. And so you are still, it's still an act of self-love, even though it may sound like you have to give up a lot. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Um, and that's called priorities, right? Yeah. One second, because yeah, that's called priorities. And you need to, you need to sort that out within yourself. Like what is your priority? Right. And my priority at that point was definitely, like you said, uh, to, that I wanted the process to work, which is why I could lay down for 12 weeks pretty much. So some people, you know, it, it's just, you have to, it is also going back to the to letting go of your body, right? It's what's your priority. Is your priority to be, 
to be thin and, and to look beautiful is your priority to fully commit to this, you'll get back. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not letting it go forever. It's, it's just that at this point, you're, you have to choose your priority. Like we said a while ago, choose your lane and, and, and commit to it. Right. So at one point I had a priority, which was physical. I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to have certain money, which what I worked hard for it, which was hard, which was why it was hard to let it go. Right. So it's like when I had that profound moment with myself and I said, what am I doing? I mean, I can't try to stay a size two and diet and exercise all the time and also try to get pregnant at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. What is my priority? Uh, and my priority was I, ha I want, I wanted, I wanted to give it a real shot. I wanted to give it a proper shot and IVF takes a toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. So if I was going to give this a shot, I wanted to give it the best shot that I could. And I was going to give it all I had. And that meant putting myself last. I was giving up my confidence. I was giving up my body. I was giving up my uh, freedom. I was giving up certain identities about who I was as an independent woman. And I was prepared, really. Sign, sign, sign that all over because I was confident that I would get it all back. You know, and when you sign this all over, there's no guarantee. Right. So, you know, it, you really have to be at you have to have serious conversations with yourself before you start this journey. And whoever you are, whether you're doing it alone and you have a support group or you're doing it with a partner or a husband, you need to be aligned when you walk in there. You have to both want to go through this because Antonio has his own story to tell. And it's a very different story to mine, which was. He was so scared that it wouldn't work and how that it would damage me so badly if it didn't. And apparently, you know, that's why he didn't want to do it. The first two years, he really did say relax. The so last year when I was like, what's wrong with you? Let's just do IVF. Later on, he was able to come clean to me and say, no, I, I didn't want to because I was so afraid that if it didn't work, that you would just, I, I would lose you you know, and, and who you are and, 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 and your life and your, and your bubbliness and, and your humor. He was like, I was, I was afraid of that. And I, I didn't want to lose you. Wow. He was brave in his own sense, you know? Now, Rocio, looking back, you've had, you had your twins, you know, you've enjoyed, I know, because I've seen your posts, you know, you're enjoying this journey of motherhood now which is kind of that next next step, next phase, which I'm sure has its own, you know, set of uh, learning experience. But looking back now at everything you've been through, what would you say to other women out there who are dealing with something similar? What would be your message to them? My message to them is, one, you're not alone. That's my first message. I see you. I feel you, I love you, and I'm with you. Okay, that's number one. Number two, don't give up. And there's many roads to motherhood. There's not one correct road. There's many roads to motherhood. 
and don't let anybody tell you what is the right road. It is your journey and your journey alone. That's the second thing that I have to say. And the third thing that I have to tell everybody out there that is listening, whether you're thinking about motherhood or anything like this, motherhood is wonderful. It is a gift, unlike any other. But it is not our definition of being a woman. Right. Please. It is a choice. It's our choice. We choose to be a mother or not. And sometimes it's harder for us. We need to work harder for it. But don't lose your identity. Don't lose who you are as a, as a person, as a human, that, that you feel all of a sudden unworthy. You know, that, that you are, like you said, damaged. It's not true. Not at all. You know, to have this notion that it, your journey or your road is slightly different from what was told to us, how it was going to be, therefore makes you unworthy or less of a woman. Get that all out of your head right now because you are all perfect just the way that you are. And these are personal choices. And we are at the age of the modern family. We are at the age of the modern woman. And if you don't want to be a mother, that's a different conversation altogether. I mean, I know women who don't want to be a mother and they have a spouse that wants to be a father. You know, I, I, we are, we are, it is such an interesting time for what to, to be a woman right now. I mean, we have more say than we ever did more control of our lives than we ever have more control over our bodies than we ever have. And it's like, we're sort of just kind of learning these powers, you know, and I was saying to uh, my husband, I'm so happy that I am raising my, my sons in this post-Me Too world. I'm so thrilled about it because I, I intend to not raise boys that are uh, boys that will be boys. I intend to raise boys that will be held accountable. And women and what we go through, we go through a lot. And then on top of going through what we go through, we're meant to put this pressure that we're supposed to carry and carry on life and right make life and and give it and maybe some of us want to focus on our career i was reading an article the other day with helen Mirren, who is probably one of the most successful talented beautiful actresses out there and she was saying that every you know someone asked her the most common question that they asked her was well, how come you never had children? And she always refused to answer it until finally she answered it. And she said, because it wasn't a priority. I was happy in my life with my husband, with my career. And it was always next year, next year, next year, maybe next year, maybe next year. Until it just didn't, that, that those years happened and it didn't happen. And she was okay with it. So you have to be okay with yourself and you have to be at a point in your life where you are, you're settled and you're happy and you find fulfillment in other things, right? That is very important. So don't lose your identity. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget that you're magnificent, that you have so much to give to this world, that people need you, that people love you, that people require you in so many other ways. And just never, ever forget that. Amazing. I agree with that completely, Rocio. And I think that those points you made I mean, that's really about how you loved yourself throughout this whole journey. And that's why you've come to this point where you can look back at your journey and you have all these wonderful lessons to share with other people. Thank you 
Rocio, for sharing your story, for inspiring all these women out there who are probably wondering, is this a step for them? Is this something they can do? I think it, it really helps when we can share our experiences with other people and we can sort of maybe better prepare each other for what lies ahead. Because I think when you're better prepared, you will make better decisions. And I think also once we know ourselves better, we can also handle things with more strength, with more courage and, uh, you know, get to that end goal um, in a much easier way. Uh, Rocio, is, is it okay if um, people contact you directly with any questions about fertility, about IVF? If you don't mind giving your details um, on the podcast, then I do encourage anyone to get in touch with you and um, connect with you on this. I, I encourage you completely. Please, if I can be there for you in any way, shape, or form, I would love to be there for you. You can write me through my Instagram. My Instagram is public. Um, most people write me there and they, they message me. And I do try to get to every single one. I really do. And sometimes maybe it might take me a long time to reply because life is well busy and, and has its continuing challenges which is another topic altogether, Sanaya, because imagine you work so hard and you dream about motherhood. And then when you give birth, it's during this pandemic. It's not the motherhood you imagined or dreamed of, right? So you have all these, you know, butterflies and, and, and things in your head. And I said, wow, man, my sons had lived in this. I, I, I live in apartments. So they were in a fishbowl for like a year. And, you know, I was just grateful they have, they had each other. So It's also interesting to keep a tab on these lockdown babies, um, Generation C, as they're now officially known as, Generation COVID. So I think they're very unique. And I do. Yikes. Rocio, Generation COVID. Oh my God. That is a whole like different uh, Pandora's box to open. Well, it's called, it's actually called, well, I was sent an article on CNN and somebody said, this is your it's called, and it was Welcome to Gen C. Wow. They are being called Gen C. I don't know if it's official, but I had received, somebody sent me an article. And I said, well, if they're Gen C, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see these, these children because it was so fascinating. Um, also, as a, as a new mother, I mean, you have an idea in your head. You have these butterflies and, you know, play groups, and you think you're going to wear a lot of pink and then <laughs> all of these ideas that just didn't happen because all of a sudden you're you the world is coming undone the old world and now this new world that we're living in and sometimes you stop and you go wow that's scary i can't believe we all really went through that and every single one of us has been affected every single one of us has experienced loss because of yeah. this shifted the paradigm to cannot go back we cannot go back we can only go further and better right so the way that i approach this as a young mother is because i think that it has just it's changed everything so much that i think well it's impossible we can't go back anymore so i hope that going forward we have learned lessons that will make a better world that's the only way to keep sane during this whole thing that I, I truly 100% believe in humanity. I believe in the, in the goodness of people. Ultimately I, that I really do. 
So I believe that even though this pandemic has caused so much difficulties and, and, and wow, change that we never experienced, never thought we could even comprehend that going forward, I, I, I hope that it leads to a better world. You know, when people say I miss the old world, yeah, me too. I definitely do. But I, I, I would like to believe that we're going to have a better one um, because we've learned, we've learned. We've learned many lessons throughout this whole thing. But you're right, though, Rocio. At the end of the day, all we can do at this point is look to the past, learn from our old ways, and hopefully create a better future from this. And with that, thank you all for tuning in, for listening on this week's episode of Project Loving Myself. Thank you, Rocio, for joining us and for this powerful story. Thank you. Are you struggling through any of these same things? In my experience working with women who are dealing with fertility issues, it's never really about fertility and almost always about something else. Some other kind of trauma from the past, something else that seems to be causing this kind of a challenge. So if you are dealing with any issues in reproductive health, or even any issues considering your regular monthly cycle, then these are almost always rooted in the past and there are plenty of options for healing and resolution. You can always check out www.thirdeyeonline.com for some services or resources that may help you. Share your thoughts from this episode on Facebook and Instagram and don't forget to tag at Project Loving Myself Podcast and at Sanaya Gurnamo. I leave you this week with our Project Loving Myself quote. If you are positive, you'll see opportunities instead of obstacles. And that's by Confucius. Now remember that you are loved. The universe supports you. You just need to find that alignment and that commitment within yourself to create whatever you want in your life. Thank you for joining me this week on the Project Loving Myself podcast brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.